Beautiful, beautiful. Amen. I want to take a personal privilege before I open the scriptures and say two things. This is probably should have been said uh, months ago. But I want to ask you to respect the Word of God and the Spirit of God by not getting up during the preaching and walking out of the room unless it's an emergency. And uh, if you have to go to the restroom, hold it. That's what I have to do. And uh, I just want God to be respected and honored and glorified. So if I would just ask you, if you would, to respect our time together from around the Word. Uh, because you don't know, God may be speaking to somebody and our distraction uh, might uh, hinder uh, the Spirit of God. I take preaching seriously, and I know you do. And so just a reminder for all of us. Amen? And then the second thing is, um, you know, I, I begin to pray early in the week. Lord, you know, what, what, what do you want me to do on Memorial Day weekend? You know I'm preaching through the book of Colossians. But I, I, I've discovered a truth that if you're going to be a, a preacher of the Word and a, uh, be Spirit-filled, that you've got to allow God to lead. And not put the Lord in a box and tell him what you're going to do. But we have to allow him to lead and guide us. And so as I begin to pray and just uh, seek the Lord, what would you have me to do? Um, by the way, I, I was just reminded this morning of what a privilege and an honor it is to stand and open the word and represent God and the truth. And so uh, the Lord took me to this passage, and I've been in this passage many, many times. And uh, you're going to be reminded about some things this morning. You know the word remember or a variant of the word remember is, is, is recorded in the Bible over 500 times. And so remembering some things, uh, today we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, but I want to set it up. Uh, because I, I'm really, really, the goal of this is to give honor to Christ for our spiritual freedom, the spiritual freedom that we have in Him. You know that chapter 11 is kind of the, uh, the, the roll call of faith or the, uh, the, the heroes of the faith, the hall of faith of those that have gone before us. There's an interesting, uh, just go ahead and stand, if you will, and honor the Word. We're going to actually begin in 1139. And um, the Bible says, and all these, talking about all that was listed from chapter 11, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. In other words, they did not uh, see the, the promise fulfilled that they were walking by faith toward. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made complete, the Bible says perfect, that means complete, apart from us. Then he says, therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's the word martyr, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I personally believe that sin is a particular sin. From the context, it's unbelief. Amen. Let us lay aside unbelief. 
that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. The implication is, as you're walking in spiritual freedom, don't get discouraged. God, this morning in Jesus' name, Lord, would you use the word today to encourage us, to edify us, to convict us, to challenge us. Lord, help us today in this walk of faith that we're in. And we promise to give Christ all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing, and you can be seated, please. Tomorrow, as a nation, we'll all take a pause. We'll take a, uh, a respite, if you will, in our normal routine of life, and we'll memorialize, and we will give honor and thankfulness and gratitude to those that have given their lives in service to our country that we might enjoy the freedom of being American. Listen, I still pledge this flag. I still am proud to be American. And I thank God for those men and women over the years, down through the centuries, that have given their lives in battle that I can freely worship Christ today. What a freedom, what a privilege. Uh, you go to some other third world countries, you, they can't do, uh, they don't have the freedom to do what we're doing here today. And I want to say this to you, uh, I also want to say is, as sick as our country is, and our country is sick, and as many issues uh, and all the problems and issues uh, that we have, I, I want to just say in the words of Lee Greenwood. Y'all remember that? Lee Greenwood. Here's what he said in a song. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read the lyrics. He said, I'm proud to be an American. Amen. Where at least, at least, I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. And I'd say to all of us, people that don't want to honor this flag, if they want to burn it, put them on a boat and send them somewhere else to another country. And listen, for the glory of God, close the borders so they can't get back in. We need to honor America. We, you can be a patriot and a Christian. You can be a patriot and a preacher. Amen. But ladies and gentlemen, listen, even as proud as I am to be an American, good gracious, I'm more proud and honored to be a Christian that's been born again by the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Ghost, sealed to the day of redemption, safe and secure in Jesus Christ. And just as tomorrow we'll take a pause 
and memorialize those men and women and we'll not do business as usual today in church. Let's take a pause. And let's honor the one that gave it all for our spiritual freedom in him. And let me set the context of the passage a little a little deeper. This letter, Hebrews, was written to a group of believers that were facing tough times in their, in their culture. They had come out of Judaism. They had been born again, and they, they were rejected by their families. Most of their families disowned them, and their faith, because of their faith in Christ and following the command, really to be baptized publicly. And baptism publicly in those days was, it it was not just something that we added on to a service, and I pray it's not that to us, but to many it is. No, it was a public profession of faith saying, I have turned from this false religion of Judaism. I've repented and I've received Jesus Christ. And as a result of it, many of them were left without homes. If you read the roll call of faith, they lived in caves. They were tortured. They were sewn in two. And good gracious, we got this this wimpy version of Christianity today uh, that we really need to pay attention to what the Bible is saying. And these people were persecuted, but they were free. And so the writer is writing to remind them of their spiritual freedom that they have in Christ and really why we should honor him. He says that they were not made complete apart from us. In other words, until Christ got here and the new covenant was activated and a new way of living with God was possible. First of all, we honor Jesus Christ, first of all, because who he is in spiritual freedom. I mean, Who is Jesus Christ? Verse 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author. I want you to pay close attention. The author and the finisher. So here's the way it reads in the original text. Fixing our gaze on the faith founder, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself, but without a good understanding of of who Christ is in spiritual freedom, how can I, let me ask us all a question, how can we faithfully trust and believe him continually and obey this passage, look away from that weight? Now that can be varied from person to person and not get called up in that sin, unbelief, that so easily ensnares us and live in spiritual freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit instead of living by the power of sin. So we need to remind, be reminded today, really, whose race we're in. It's not my race. It's not your race. And this race is not something I'm trying to win. Listen, it's already been won. I mean, it, it, Jesus has done it all. And I would define spiritual freedom to you this way. And dear God, this is, way, this is the way I want to live with Christ. Spiritual freedom is living in the victory that Jesus Christ has already provided by giving his life for us and really to us. So 
What do we honor about Jesus Christ in spiritual freedom? Hey, do you know, I just want to just talk from my heart to you for a minute as I try to deliver this sermon. Do you know that Jesus Christ, what he did for you and who he is for you is the only way anybody can be free? First of all, notice that he's the originator of our faith. You say, wait a minute, I thought faith was me. Oh, you've misunderstood the Bible. He says he's the author. He's the author. That word author, here's what it's translated. I just love to study the words. Captain, prince, founder, initiator, beginner. The English translation would be architect. Boy, isn't that cool? In other words, Jesus Christ is the architect of our faith that leads to spiritual freedom. He planned it. He designed it. He performed it. He paid for it. He's done everything that we could possess what he has done. Ladies and gentlemen, with every ounce of breath and strength that I have in my body, here's the statement. Jesus Christ is our faith and spiritual freedom. Freedom is a person. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not circumstances. It's not whether things are going well or going bad. It's Christ. The Bible says he is the architect. He's the, uh, he's the originator. And without Christ, we would have no spiritual freedom, not even have any faith. So many times we view faith as something that we have to muster up or something that we have to manufacture. People say, I wish I just had enough faith. Well, let me ask you a question. How much Christ do you have? Christ is my faith. That's what Paul wrote in his writings. And I believe he wrote this book too. This is what Alan Redpath said. And I want you to Pay close attention. Maybe take a screenshot of it's on one screen. This is an absolute profound quote. Redpath said, the only faith that matters is a faith that is expressed in the action of your body. In other words, the faith that has qualified a man for heaven gets into his feet, his hands, his mind, his tongue. If his faith in Jesus Christ does not begin to make his whole body move in the will of God, there's no evidence that they're saving faith at all. Thank God for men like Alan Redpath. Let me ask you a question. Has Christ so got in you? He's moving your mind, your hands, your feet, your whole body toward the will of God. If he hasn't, you're not a Christian. You're just religious. Because Christ, when he gets in somebody, you cannot stay the same. You cannot live in sin when Christ gets in you without conviction. He's the author. So when you got saved, who started the relationship? I'll give you an illustration. Uh, When I saw Missy Benfield for the first time, I stalked her. I did. (laughs) 
Everywhere she would go, I would go. I pursued her. No, not in a crazy way. Don't y'all think I'm a pervert or anything. I don't mean that. But I pursued her. And if you've been converted, you better listen to me. The Holy Ghost. Y'all listening in the balcony, balcony, say amen. That's mighty weak, balcony folks. Y'all listening in the balcony, say amen. amen. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost amen. gets on your trail and stalks you and pursues you because Christ is the originator of our faith. It's originated by grace. See, grace is, do we really grasp what grace is? Grace is when God, by the Spirit, begins to pursue us and then gives us the desire and the enablement to respond to him. The old-timers used to call it enabling grace. I want to become an old-timer, doctrinally. They said it was enabling grace. If Jesus Christ does not originate faith, here's the quote, spiritual freedom cannot be exercised. Spiritual freedom cannot be exercised. Secondly, Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He says he's the finisher. He said he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So he's the one that carries our faith out to completion. We don't perfect it. We just appropriate it. And let Christ be himself. And I love this verse. My life verse has changed since I've gotten older. This used to be my life verse, but my life's changed. Being confident of this very thing. Look what it says. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Then our responsibility is just to walk with him. And when you understand this truth, the, the Christian life is a, is a joy. I've got the author. I've got the finisher. And, and, and the secret is staying fresh and faithful uh, with God. In other words, when God prompts something, just obey. I mean, it's that simple. Just obey what the author and finisher is doing. Henry Blackaby told us years ago, taught us years ago, um, experiencing God. Many of you remember that study in that book. Find out where God is working and just join him. Amen. That's what faith is. Secondly, notice we honor what Christ did for our spiritual freedom. Here's what the Bible says, who for the joy, joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the joy? That was set before Jesus Christ as he was going to the cross. Remember now, he's, he's God in the flesh. He had the, the cross before him. And the writer says that it was joy for him to endure the cross. I believe there's two things that really was the joy of Jesus Christ for the cross. The first one was to complete the Father's will that every sinner could have spiritual freedom. Let me remind us of something. Every person that's born can be saved, but every person that's born will not be saved. Jesus Christ died for everybody, 
The Bible says he died for the sins of the whole world. And some people in their theology would say, well, he only died for those that are going to be saved. That's not what the Bible says. I believe Jesus died for people that are in this room that will not be saved because you're too proud and religious to repent and receive him by faith and walk in spiritual freedom. But it's available. So he completed the Father's will so that every sinner, that's me could have spiritual freedom and then give every sinner opportunity. You say, wait a minute, Brother Stoney, do you believe in election? Absolutely. Do you believe in predestination? Absolutely. But I also believe in free will and responsibility. You say, well, how do you reconcile that? When the Bible's talking about election, I preach it and teach it. When it's talking about free will, I preach it and teach it. There's got to be a balance. Every sinner has an opportunity. How do I know that? John says in his gospel writing that Jesus Christ was the light that came into the world, listen to it, that gives light to every man. Every man. And so that was the joy that was set before Jesus Christ. But really notice what he did for our spiritual freedom. This is incredible. And this is really the... This is really the crux of the gospel. This is it. He substituted himself for our sin. He substituted himself for our sin. The Bible said he endured the cross. And on the cross, this is as simple as I know how to put it. There's a lot of theological terms I could use, but I want to put it bottom shelf this morning. On the cross, Jesus Christ became you. You say, wait a minute, brother. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. You don't know what I'm planning to do. Well, here's what the Bible says. And I believe the Bible much more than I believe you or me. The Bible says he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become what? The righteousness of God. So on the cross, he took your place. On the cross, he took your sin. On the cross, he took my punishment. What did I deserve? I deserve to die and spend eternity separated from God, not because of really what I did, but because of who I am with my first nature, separated from God. I deserve hell this morning, but Jesus Christ substituted himself for my sin and your sin. He took your death. He took your burial. Why would anybody... Why would anybody go through life and reject the Son of God? Why would there be people in this room? Oh, you're great church members. You're just not Christians. Why would, he, why would anybody reject Christ? Why would anybody not examine their faith in Christ to make sure it's real? I ordered 500 books the other day. 
500 free booklets. Jim Ellis wrote a little booklet called Wasted Faith. They were free. All I had to do was pay for shipping. They sent me an email and they said, sir, why are you ordering 500 of these booklets? And I emailed them back. I said, because on a particular Sunday morning, I want to give every person that'll take one a little booklet that can be read in 30 minutes or less on wasted faith. You know why I got those books? Because I care about your eternity. I care about where you spend eternity. I care about your family. I care about your spiritual welfare. Let me just give you one quote from Ella. Here's what he says. He said, he said, we spend more time and effort at the supermarket examining whether bananas are ripe than we do obeying the commandment in the Bible to examine our faith to make sure it's real. And here's a question. If it's not real, don't you want to know now? You say, well, Brother Tony, I'm just afraid people will, I, I, I'm just going to be embarrassed. Listen, in Jesus' name, I'd rather be embarrassed in front of this crowd, in front of the whole world, as to stand before Almighty God one day with those eyes of fire and be embarrassed and to hear those words, I never knew you depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Listen, there's no unbelievers in hell. Everybody will believe one day. Please. Please. He took your place and died as you. Look at that. Look, just look at that. He took your place and died as you so that you can live as him and be spiritually free. I want to honor this flag this morning. We need to wave that flag because listen to me. Good gracious. If we get that flag right, we won't have to worry about this flag. And listen, the problem in America is this. This flag has been burned to the ground, and this one has been elevated and honored without this one. you got to have both of them. Somebody pick it up and run around and just shake it. we got to have Christianity back in America. I didn't know this thing's going to preach this well. Good gracious. It may not be to you, but it is to me. But anyway, you know that... Um, He's your exclusive substitute. He died as you so that you could live as him. But then secondly, he sacrificed himself for your shame. Wow. Despising the shame. See, all sin has shame. Every sin has shame. He was mocked and he was shamed and he never committed one sin. And it was our sin that brought Christ shame. But, but he despised the shame. In other words, he repelled the shame that it brought for him to be crucified so that we could be forgiven. Listen, there's some people here this morning that you're just, goodness, you're just living in shame. I want to go on record and just thank God for the Holy Ghost. You don't need to know the circumstances, but uh, yesterday I was on the phone with a good friend. 
and they asked me a question, and I said no. And John, I hung up the phone, or right before I hung up the phone, the Holy Ghost. I hadn't even told my wife this. She don't even need to know. The Holy Ghost said, you just lied. Let me tell you what I did. I began to twist that thing and turn that thing and justify that thing and, and tried to justify my sin. Y'all ever do that? Baptists are slow, especially on Memorial Day weekend. Y'all ever do that? I got to the prayer meeting. And it's like the Spirit of God said, it ain't no use for you to pray tonight. You might as well go on to the house until you make that right. And by the way, if you don't make it right, you can forget about me helping you preach tomorrow. I felt shameful. I stepped out. I got my phone. I called that individual. I said, hey, I, I misspoke a while ago. I need you to forgive me. Because I want to be right with, I want to have a clear conscience with God and man. But listen, apart from spiritual freedom, that can't happen. And how do people live in shame most of their lives over what they've done? It's because either they don't have Christ or they don't know what, had, what he's done for them. And listen, the moment that I made that, you said, were you embarrassed? Yeah, I was embarrassed a little bit. Were you humbled? Yeah, I was. But you know what that friend said? Hey, buddy, I love you in Jesus' name. I forgive. Go on for the glory of God. I went in and prayed. Good. Gracious alive. We had a prayer meeting, didn't we? But some of y'all are just living in shame. Listen, you kind of let Jesus, he sacrificed himself Amen. for your shame. Now, that doesn't mean you have already heard we don't live perfect. The preacher was a liar yesterday. Well, you guessed. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be transparent. I'm teaching this church not to elevate me. Because if you do, we'll get off track and I will too. Shame. See, sin has shame with it. But, but, but listen, here, here's the great story. Here's the goodness of God. God will take a sinner like me and a sinner like you and give himself for us. But then he gives himself to us. So that when we sin like I did yesterday, I can, re I can confess and repent. And I can claim 1 John 1, 9. You say you feel guilty about it this morning? No, because I know who my advocate is. I know the propitiation of my sin. Jesus is still doing it right now. Amen. Lastly, we honor where Jesus is. That's our spiritual freedom. Son, the Bible says, and he sat down. This is after he descended and ascended. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. 
throne of God. And you, you know the gospel message and what a great message we have. He died and was buried and then he descended. I'm not going to get into all that this morning. That's probably a whole different sermon. He descended to the parts of the earth and showed himself to those that rejected the preaching of Noah. Then he ascended to paradise. That's where he told the thief he'd see him. Today, I'll see you in paradise. And he emptied out paradise, the good side, into what we would call heaven. He emptied the bad side into Gehenna, well, Sheol. They'll be cast into the lake of fire in Gehenna after the great white throne. But where is he right now for my spiritual freedom? Oh, I love this. It's really profound. First of all, he's sitting in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus Christ ever gets off of the throne in heaven, we're all toast. He's seated in heaven. It has the implication seated does of complete victory in the battle for sin and our souls been won. Listen, Christ conquered death. Christ conquered sin. Christ conquered hell. By the way, he conquered the devil. Don't give him any credit for anything. He's absolutely defeated. He can't do anything to you right now. He's seated in heaven. What's he doing? Just listen to this. Romans 8, I'm not sure you have it there. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and further also is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Listen, right now in heaven, Jesus Christ is praying to the Father. He's praying to himself. He's praying to the Father that the church would once again live in spiritual freedom. He's interceding on your behalf. Listen, he's taking your, he knows everything about all of us, right? He's everywhere, knows everything, did everything, is everything. He's taking your anxieties and your needs and your struggles right now to the Father. He's probably praying for me yesterday evening that I would repent. Amen. He's interceding. I'd say this to you, he's keeping your spiritual freedom secure. You said, Brother Tony, why do you not believe you can lose your salvation? Because Jesus is seated on the throne in heaven, and I'm in him and he's in me. Read the book of Ephesians. Now, if he dies, I'm done. But he said he was risen to, to live forevermore. Evermore. So he's securing our, protecting our spiritual freedom, and I thank God that I don't have to work to keep my salvation. That doesn't mean I doesn't work out my salvation. Are y'all with me? Lastly, and here's where it needs to be put to practice the most. All this is theology to this point. He's residing on earth, expressing our spiritual freedom. You say, Brother Stoney, what do you mean? He, he's not only in heaven, he's on earth inside the real believer. This is the greatest truth. He's doing the same thing in an earthly tabernacle Amen. 
that he's doing in the heavenly tabernacle. He's there in bodily form, resurrection bodily form, interceding, but he's in us by the person of the Holy Spirit, interceding and assisting and becoming our life. Listen to this, or do you not know? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, this is spiritual freedom. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, who you have from God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which, which are God. So what he is doing in the temple in heaven, he's doing in the temple on earth. Here is what he is doing. The victory that is already won in heaven can be possessed on earth. Do you know that I can live and you can live every day in spiritual freedom? You say, how do you do that? Well, you got to learn to abide in Christ. You got to learn to live from him instead of trying to live for him. So many people are doing their best to live for Jesus. That don't work. But when you let him live, it works. So I take a position of humility, as my Sunday school teacher taught me this morning. I take a position of humility, and I let Christ, me be in the temple, I let him be the high priest in the holy of holies, which is my heart, and I let him lead. How is this possible when he sat down in victory in your life? You are filled with him, and you got to be led by him. You say, well, what do you do? The lesson this morning was on being critical. Did y'all study that? Y'all better be careful. I better be careful. That's a great lesson, brother. We got to all be careful. We're filled with him. And here's what my teacher said this morning. When you criticize another believer, you're criticizing God. Wow. Let me ask another good, can I go and teach part of your lesson? This is so good, man. It helped me. The Bible says Moses was a humble man. Well, I thought he killed a guy. I thought he struck a rock and disobeyed God. What do you mean he's a humble man? Here it is, and I'm done. Humility is just having this reverential awe and respect and honor for God that when you do wrong, you repent quickly and you obey God when he speaks. Bottom line. Did Moses mess up? He did. So God took him to the wilderness for 40 years to teach him humility. And so when he was criticized, by Aaron and Miriam, what did he do? Leprosy. Yep, she got leprosy. What did Moses do? Here's what God said. Moses, step back. I'll take care of business. But oh God. Oh God. Heal her. That's why so humble. I told them that they're 
I quote Bill Stafford a lot because I was so, Missy and I were so impacted by him and Sue. Here's what Bill said. He said, the only time you can hurt my feelings is if I'm living to myself. He said, because anything that you can say about me, I'm much worse than anybody knows. So when somebody, he said, when somebody comes up criticizing me, I said, brother, I agree with you. But if you really knew me. Folks, we got freedom in Christ and we're living in bondage because we're not allowing the Christ that lives in us to live for us. Will you let Jesus be your spiritual freedom? Y'all look at me all over the building. Thank you for being so attentive and not getting up and leaving. Thank you. This is the first Sunday in months. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If there's anybody in the room today on Memorial Day weekend that you're not a Christian, you've never come to a place of real repentance and real faith in Christ, please don't leave this building. Please come to Jesus today. You don't need a preacher to save you. But you've got to have Christ to save you. If you'll respond to this invitation, we'll pray with you and help you. But we can't save you. Some of you need, to, you need to unite with this church. Some of you need to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Listen, we all need to get on the altar and say, God, teach us to let Jesus be our life, be our spiritual freedom. Listen, so our culture doesn't define us or affect us. We walk in victory. In him. God, thank you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, as you draw people that they would respond. Thank you, Lord, for Christ. Thank you for the writer of Hebrews that gives us such a profound passage of Scripture. We glorify you. And, Lord, we just want to be close to you. We want to live in spiritual freedom as a believer. And God, I know there's people here that's in spiritual bondage. They want to be a Christian. They haven't taken that step of faith and repentance yet. God, may it happen today in Jesus' name. We give you glory. Amen.